Good afternoon and welcome to Lunchtime Series, proudly powered by leadershipbydesign.co, where we aim to add value to people's lives. You can listen to us live every Wednesday and Thursday at lunchtime on ebizradio.com, where we talk about everything leadership, coaching, and marketing, and you can listen to the Lunchtime Series on all your major podcast channels today, guys. In today's marketing and leadership segment, uh, joining me as per usual, marketing and communications expert and co-host, Craig Pagely. How are you doing, Craig? Kevin, I'm great. Thank you. Yeah, how are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Um, the winter's here. I'm feeling it. It's it's arrived. I'm. <laughs> I know you like the cold, but I'm. Yeah. I'm struggling a little bit. So, and it's what's interesting about the weather, especially with South African weather, is in the mornings it's bloody freezing, but by twelve o'clock you like you're like undressing. Um, except today with with the, the cloudiness, so it's um, yeah, yeah. We've got thick cloud in the sky today, so definitely uh, no no um, traditional winter weather in Johannesburg. Which again, you're right; it, it could get up to 17, 18, 19 degrees on some days. So what a pleasure! But uh, yeah, um, see that your book's progressing well, considering the fact that you now cover cover design stage, Kevin. Yes, it's quite exciting to, 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 I mean, it's taken two years. I mean, <laughs> I've been talking about this bloody book forever and like nobody believes that I'm actually doing it. <laughs> it's finally arrived and it's finally finished. It's, it's actually in editing uh, process. So they, the editor's sort of going through and making notes. Oh, wow. Um, and yeah, we're doing book cover design and, um, so I'm aiming for this to be out and about and up in stores. And uh, apparently it will be in Take-A-Lot as well, which is really cool. So you can actually, you know, um, order it straight off Take-A-Lot. Um, and yeah, it's the future of human uh, is, is going to be, or the future of work is human. Uh, and that's going to be in stores hopefully by, I think, the end of June. End of June, July kind of thing. So That's, that's fantastic. But and and have you got any? That's, that's awesome. We'll we'll talk about that in one of the shows, most definitely. And then um, any sort of forward um, names that that are going to give you a good intro on on the book. Well, I'm still finding one, Craig. I, I think I'm going to ask you to maybe or <laughs> <laughs> um, someone because I need to I need to still get that done. Um, because it's it's just you know it's a, it's the first book so I I'm proud of the fact that it is there, um, and it is a it's a wonderful concept you know it's it really and this unpacks the way of looking at the future of work in a bit of a different way, but it also creates a nice structure to, for people to kind of follow and kind of go, here's you know uh, some of the the important factors to consider as as we evolve as humans, um, and how do we do that and how you know how does that sort of uh, how do we showcase that and what do we need to consider in in aim of our evolution in our workspace um uh, that's very interesting because that again is just there's such synchronicity at times between our respective conversations because today's conversation has got a, a bias of of focus on on work and workspace Fantastic. But I mean, uh, Craig, just, just before we kick off today's conversation, uh, don't you want to give us a bit of a key reminder from our amazing conversation last week? Yeah, Kevin, thanks. Yes, we, we definitely had a great conversation last week when we reviewed 
13 customer first marketing strategies to steal from Taylor Swift. Um, yeah, we firstly got to learn a bit more about her incredible music achievements and about how she's dealt with adversity and the various emotional challenges that, that Taylor Swift faced throughout her career. So referencing the article, we note that adopting these three key principles, Kevin, will definitely set your marketing activities in the right direction. And the first one being get to know your customer. Firstly, by developing personas or buyer personas and then engaging with their social media and even going to the extent of joining or creating communities around their, their um, focus areas. The second is interact with your audience through the likes of emails, personalized videos, and even phone calls. And, and investing in your relationship will definitely give your customers a reason to invest in you. And the third point there was about stick to your company values. And these will keep your customers and employees on your side for the long haul, Kevin. So mm -hmm. I quickly want to just uh, look at a few other uh, specific points that we covered in the article, uh, not going through all 13, but picking up on three or four. Um, the first one is start with a marketing strategy. And, and this is about telling a story. And as a marketer, it's your job to tie your product into your brand story because people love content that they can actually identify with. Use your buyer personas as a protagonist or lead character or champion of a cause in the story, and then use their pain points as the plot. And this will, again, help customers to envision themselves as your customer, as you solve a problem or eliminate some of the pain points they have. The next point is, is um, make it personal. You know, the more we rely on digital communications, the more essential personalized messaging becomes. The next point is meet customers where they are. And step one here is just, it's about identifying where your buyer personas spend most of the time. And then step two is studying how your ideal personas and customers actually interact online and tailor messages. For example, understanding the power of LinkedIn for professional updates and thought leadership and the likes of Facebook for um, video. And then the last uh, reminder point is restraint is key to relevance. Here, we understand that today's buyers are already battling um, for this huge information overload and content fatigue. So don't contribute to the clutter with irrelevant messaging. Segment your customer life stage cycles to ensure the right information is getting to the right audience at the right time and in the right channel, Kevin. And those are reminder points from last week. Great. I, just on that point, like uh, one of the, the restraint is is key. You know, I've noticed that that's because um, uh, I, I mean, I know you've seen I've been avidly, you know, out there marketing and putting stuff out. And yes. uh, as in the last couple of months, as we've moved and uh, the marketing platforms are starting to evolve, I've kind of stopped um, what and what's what I'm noticing now with restraint from actually restraining myself from posting anything when i do post anything now it actually gets attention so it really throws a flip side on on marketing in itself uh, when you do kind of go okay now people are paying attention suddenly for a different reason yes yes absolutely so i definitely recommend people go and check that out because those those 13 strategies from taylor swift uh, are brilliant so go and check it out guys craig what are we what are we going to be discussing about today Kevin, interestingly, I've, I've seen a number of articles focusing on the future of work being published and appearing in my inbox because obviously it's, it's, it's one of the, the topics that I follow quite a bit of. And two in particular stood out for me. The first was published by Gartner and was titled 
nine future work trends for 2023. And the second is published by McKinsey and Company and is titled, What is the Future of Work? And both provide a really great insight into this topic, Kevin. Fantastic. I am looking forward to it because it's it's definitely right up my alley on on, on <laughs> the book that I'm publishing. So absolutely, that's great. So to start off with, I want to reference a few definitions and actually what is meant by this term, the future of work. And it was really it was quite insightful coming across some of these these definitions and explanations. So firstly, according to the Society for Human Resource Management, simply put, the future of work is a projection of how work workers and the workplace or workplace i should say will evolve in the years ahead it's a topic that keeps many ceos up at night as they make decisions that enable their organizations to thrive today while they prepare for the future according to a deloitte insights feature article titled what is the future of work as written by jeff schwartz steve hatfield robin jones and siri anderson we learn that the future of work is a result of many forces of changing effect, of change affecting three deeply connected dimensions. And this was really key here, uh, deeply connecting these dimensions of an organization. The first being work, the what. The second being the workforce, the who. And the third being the workplace, the where. Um, and and the, the Insights report makes the following important statement, Kevin. The new realities created by these forces of change present us with complex questions to consider, including ethics around human-machine collaboration, how we plan for 50- to 60-year careers, and actually how we unleash organizations through a continuum of talent sources. And there's also a really great chart that tables key questions for each of those three dimensions mentioned earlier, Kevin, and these are defined as follows. So firstly, the dimension of work. The question here is what work can be automated? And with increasing robotics, cognitive and AI technologies, what work can be done by and with smart machines? The second dimension is workforce. And the question here is who can do the work? With new talent platforms and contracts, who can do it? How do we leverage the continuity of talent from full-time to managed services, to freelancers, to the gig workers, and to crowds? And then the third dimension is workplace. And the question here is, where is the work done? A point that we talk about often. And with the new combinations of collaborative, teaming, digital reality technologies, how are the workplaces and work practices actually reshaping where and when work is done, Kevin. And these are three really important dimensions to include in any workplace strategy. And finally, according to McKinsey Explainer's article titled, What is the Future of Work? We learn the following. The future of work refers to an informed perspective on what business and other organizations need to know about how work could shift given digitization and other trends plus how workforce and workplace can prepare for those changes, big and small. Great. But I, but I love the fact that it's just broken down into practicality. So, you know, like uh, the, the what, what, what work can be automated, who are the people that, uh, and where they're going to do it. You know, yes. you can, like that simple sort of structure already kind of gives you because that can apply to you know uh, certain certain types of of industry 
would need to consider those three factors differently than other types. Yes, of correct, quite right. And, and really, you know, like using that as a sort of a sort of a, a measurement to, you know, does this team need to be working in an office or does this team need to be working? At, like, can they work from home? Um, I think companies also need to re, you know, thinking of the future of work. There might be divisions that that that, you know, decide that and kind of go. Because we're this division, I don't need to be at the office. I can be at the office once a week, right? And I think that's the kind of thinking that people really need to start embracing because it's it's absolutely. And 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 as you say, it's just three simple questions with three simple definitions behind them. And and again, it's it's about creating that matrix for your organization holistically and then going into a departmental or divisional uh, uh, subset and trying to get you to understand that. And, you know, on the back of that, from from space design point of view, again, you know, I talk about my architecture and, and, and interior design background is, you know, I know that there are certain companies that are moving into new corporate head offices that have actually reduced this their, their footprint size to the point that they cannot accommodate the entire staff population in the building at any one time because their entire proposition is now predicated on the fact that there will be, you know, a movement of hybrid flow through the building where some staff will be there on certain days and other staff on other days, and they'll never necessarily be there all together at one time, in at one point in time. Yeah, yeah, and I think like that whole agile, malleable kind of work. I think that's that's a you know I think corporates are they they're going to struggle with it, but it's a necessity. It's it's what people require. It's what what the future of work really looks like. Absolutely. Craig, you share with us uh, from the Gartner article you mentioned earlier. What can you share with that? Yeah, Kevin, so, so again, the, Gart the Gartner article is titled Nine Work, uh, sorry, Nine Future of Work Trends for 2023 and was published as recently as 22 December 22. And the article was written by Emily Rose McRae and Peter Aikens and opens with the following key statement. As we enter the third year, and it's amazing when you, when you read this, the third year, how quickly, you know, we've moved past COVID. As we enter the third year since COVID-19 came into existence, the virus has proven to have a lasting impact on the future of work. In 2023, organizations face historic challenges, a competitive talent landscape, an exhausted workforce and pressure to control costs. In this environment, it's imperative to tackle the following nine trends as your organization sets strategic workforce and talent goals. And then it goes on to list the nine forces and I'll quickly um, you know, read through the list before going into them in detail. So the first, the first is quiet hiring. And this offers new ways to snag in demand talent. The second is hybrid flexibility reaches the front lines. Third is squeezed by competing leader and employees' expectations. Managers need support. The fourth is pursuit of non-traditional candidates expands talent pipelines. The fifth is healing pandemic trauma opens path to sustainable performance. The sixth is organizations push DEI forward amid growing pushbacks. The seventh is getting personal with employees' support creates new data risks. The eighth is algorithmic bias concerns lead to more transparency in recruiting tech. And the ninth is Gen Z skills gaps reveal workforce-wide erosion of social skills. Interestingly, stuff we picked up on when we when we had a look at the Gen Z uh, topic a while ago. 
So yeah, let's let's take a look at each each of these in a little bit more detail. So again, starting with trend number one, quiet hiring offers new ways to snag in-demand talent. We learn the following. So we've all heard the term quiet quitting, uh, which is defined as the ideas of in, employees actually refusing to go above and beyond and doing the minimum required in their job. So when employees quiet quit, organizations keep people but lose skills and capability. So 2023 will actually see a reverse of this practice, Kevin, with the principles of quiet hiring coming to the fore, which allows organizations to actually gain new skills and capabilities without adding any full-time employees to their headcount. And this will be achieved in the following three ways. So focus on internal talent reallocation or deployment to ensure employees address the priorities that matter most without changes in headcount stretch and upskilling opportunities for existing employees while meeting the evolving organizational needs. And then the third year is about adopting alternative approaches like leveraging networks, plugging into gig workers to gain access to the right talent as and when needed, Kevin. Craig, I just want to, what I do want to say about the quiet hiring is uh, if you are a leader in the world listening to that point right now is you don't know what you don't know until you know, you know. And that sentiment is, uh, I've recently been, you know, with one of the corporates that I work with, um, one of the HODs that left, um, and instead of just replacing the HOD, they've given the managers in, in that department space to kind of shine and kind of go, okay, cool, we're not going to replace the head, uh, but can you, can, you, can you step into a more important role? Can you take on more? Can you, you know, and suddenly just plain simply because they were given the opportunity, these two managers have literally upped themselves and started uh, showing up in that work environment like Fantastic. never. Fantastic. That's why I say you don't know what you don't know if you tell you until you know you know, right? Yes. Like leaders really, the quiet hiring is actually far more prevalent and relevant and necessary than what people are realizing because you might actually have them, the people you need right under your nose. They just, yes. need, they just need that motivation to want to be better and do better and show up for, for the company. So it's very possible that you, you could be, you already have all the talent you need. Good point, good point. So for trend number two, um, hybrid flexibility reaches the front lines. We learned the following here, Kevin. So while we experience a more permanent era of hybrid work for, for desk-based employees, it's actually important that organizations fly, find that, that flexibility aspect for the frontline workers as well, like those particularly in manufacturing and healthcare. Um, and, and the 2022 Gartner Frontline Workers Experience reinvented survey noted that as much as 58% of organizations that employ frontline workers have actually invested in improving the employee experience in the past year. And the top role attractors for the segment include the following four points. First is control over the work schedule, paid leave, stability in the work schedule. And then frontline workers also expressed interest in other types of flexibility, such as what they actually work on, who they actually work with and what the amount of work actually is, Kevin. I love that. I love that as, as, a, as an actual point, Craig, because um, when you look at an international standard of what work, uh, um, what is required as an employee at, at an international standard, um, you're supposed to only work so many hours. Yes. 
you need to be flexible and you need to have leave and you need to be able to um like I, i've even heard of um having an emotional sick day yes in international yes, that's incredible people are allowed to have an emotional sick day right and if you have a few in the in the month like like dude maybe you need to see someone <clears throat> you know at an international level it's things like that 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 employees need and employers need to consider yes like, absolutely must yeah kevin so so um, point number 3 is <clears throat> excuse me squeezed by competing leader and employee expectations managers need support and we learn the following here so so we've noted before that a lot of managers are actually out of their depth in in you know due to the increase of demands of today's working environment pressures placed on them by by managers and they they they, they really are required to implement a corporate strategy on one end while actually trying to accommodate the hybrid working model on the other end while still being dependent on to provide support through the sense of purpose flexibility and actually driving career growth opportunities for their teams as well which is a real challenge so here the best organizations will apply two simple key actions to relieve pressure on managers in 2023 kevin first is provide fresh support and training to reduce this widening skills gap and secondly is clarify manager priorities clarify how managers should actually allocate their time and redesign their roles when necessary kevin <laughs> moving to yeah it it it's a great point that it really is so so moving to trend number 4 pursuit of non-traditional candidates expands talent pipelines and you and I have had some good chats around here and here we learn the following that organizations have been talking about the strategic value of expanding and diversifying their talent pipelines for a while now and two key trends have emerged coming out of this realm of thought kevin firstly employees are charting non-linear paths in careers with 56% of candidates reported actually applying for jobs outside of their current area of expertise and this this figure is expected to rise significantly in in the years to come and the second point here is that organizations can actually no longer actually meet their talent need through traditional sourcing methods and candidate pools and added to this hiring managers are now actually less concerned about industry experience and technical skills than they were previously but to full critical roles in 2023 organizations will need to become much more comfortable assessing candidates solely on their ability to perform the roles given not their credentials and prior experience and and generally this is this is the time to rethink the outdated assumptions about qualifications yeah absolutely and and I, i'm so glad that that's a point because usually and generally the assumption is you know like does this person have a degree does this person have xyz yes. and instead of that rather look at you know what experience does this person have and does what they what they capable of doing uh complement the role because yes. then you also widen uh, the 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 scope of who is going to be in that environment um yeah I, it's 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 a necessary need for people to make assumptions on does this person have the 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 quality and experience to do it not just the qualification yes absolutely now point 5 is interesting because you 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 picked up on the 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 point of post pandemic trauma so <laughs> healing pandemic trauma opens paths to sustainable performance and we yes. learn yeah this is why i'm i think i'm a futurist i'm 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 seeing the future and i should share it with people because i've been talking about 
like we like the the trauma that we've experienced like people haven't even acknowledged that it has been trauma you know it's been yes. an absolute traumatic experience that we've kind of just moved on with and we've left it as this thing we don't really talk about right yes. and yet there's so much shit oh sorry there's so much stuff that's left in, <laughs> that's left behind that that people need to deal with so i'm so glad that this is a point and and interestingly, one of the points from last week with with the Taylor Swift uh, um, proposition at, at that least marketing strategies was you know stuff happens yeah know how to deal with it so yes so so Kevin most of us are still experiencing mental health challenges as as a result of this not just the pandemic but this this current societal and e economic pressure that we face with every day as well and this is a direct impact on productivity and performance with as many of 82% of employees actually wanting their organizations to see them as, as a whole person rather than as an employee and really to get to understand the, the emotional challenges and construct of their life given. So three, three points that stand out here. You know, in 2023, the best organizations are going to implement the follow. They're going to be proactive, de de deliver proactive risk to help employees maintain their emotional resilience and performance rather than just offering rest recovery services. This includes no meeting Fridays, scheduled wellness times, and actual managers ensuring that their teams take adequate paid time off. And, you know, these high demand jobs are really squeezing people to the nth degree and people are forsaking their leave just to stay in the job and feel that their you know, job security is in place. The second point is, is, is discussion opportunities to work through challenges and difficult topics without judgment and consequence. Important points, those. And yeah. go for it. No, sorry. I was just going to say no meeting Fridays. I'm like, South Africa is so far away from, from Believe me. <laughs> 4.30pm meetings on a Friday. It's just, know, you know, and, like, and, you know, like just from a human, like a human behavior perspective, like 90 percent chance that the people who are called to that meeting really just don't give a shit. They really don't. They're sitting there going, "Oh God, this could have been a Monday morning meeting. We could have done this yeah. on email." Like nobody cares. It's Friday afternoon. Stop doing it because you're actually underproductive. You're underproductive. It, 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 it goes back to that quiet disengagement point as well. Whilst they may be present, they're not engaged. And they're not adding any value to the organization. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Your brain's not even functioning, Craig. Like your, yeah. your brain, you've, you've had so many meetings, you've been doing so much, you've had a whole week of doing and dealing. And at that point, your brain's kind of going, man, I just feel like whiskey right now. You're <laughs> engaged. You're just answering because you're on the, on the, on the call and they asked you a question and you said, yes, I'm here. Like, Yes. Nothing is actually happening on a Friday at four thirty. Like so, yeah. I don't know why people do it. It's it's, yeah. it's stupid. Quite right. And then the third point relative to the the, the third um, implementation point here is that trauma counselors on site to provide on site counselling, to yeah. train and coach managers on workplace conflict, and um, to help them be able to have these difficult conversations with employees because they're faced with more and more of these conversations as, as times get tougher, Kevin. Yeah. Moving to trend six, organizations 
push diversity, equity, and inclusion forward amid growing pushback. And this was a really interesting point for me here. So, so some of the employees are showing signs of resistance with as many as 42% stating that they actually believe the organization's DEI efforts are divisive with a growing number of employees feeling alienated by or even resent their organization's DEI efforts, Kevin. Employee pushback invalidates, disrupts, or disconnects from any programs that are meant to enable marginalized groups, often unintentionally. The pushback may, however, decrease engagement and inclusion and ultimately result in attrition of, of, of in many instances, key staff. And in 2023, the best leaders will address the opportunities to overcome uh, um, this opposition early before it evolves into more disruptive forms of resistance, Kevin. And do you know why, Craig? Because uh, the people offering DEI solutions also need to evolve what they're offering. Yeah. We like stop, stop with the, we know that people are from different races. We know that we have different cultures. We know we have different religions. That's not the point. Like no one's like, no one's walking in there going, oh my goodness, you're you're an Indian and you're from like you speak with a different no one's no one's oblivious of the fact that there's differences. Yes. What needs to happen is to understand how we engage and how inclusively we can be as human beings. And what does that look like? How do I create psychological safety uh, and and uh, really engage at a at a at a, a level with someone, uh, but from a human to human position? No one cares about your religion and your, you know, like the 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 the, the twang in your in your in your English. Like what they care about is, oh, I'm a human and you're a human. How do we see the world, and how do we get the best out of each other because we see the world differently? Yes, absolutely. Conversation. Then absolutely. The DEI efforts that are happening at the moment and the training, they're. People should phone me because I'll help them fix it properly. Yep. Great. <laughs> Moving to trend seven, getting personal with employee support creates new data risks. Again, another really important point. So, so organizations are using embracing technologies like AI assistance, uh, wearable technology, et cetera, to actually collect data in employees, even, even keyboard uh, key tracking. Um, being used to collect data in employees' health, family situations, living conditions, mental health, and even sleep patterns in order to respond more effectively to the needs. Big risk here, Kevin, is that this represents a real or presents a real privacy crisis as technological capabilities are expanding faster then leaders can actually fully understand and control. And in 2023, Kevin, employees must prioritize transparency around how they collect use and store employee data, as well as allow employees to actually opt out of these practices that they find objectionable. And they need to start building an employee data bill of rights to support your employees needs for healthy boundaries, in addition to the overall well-being of, of MindState, Kevin. Moving to point eight, algorithmic bias concerns lead to more transparency in recruiting tech. Um, and yeah, we learned that organizations that actually use AI and machine learning in their hiring process will need to be proactive and get ahead of, of new government regulations on privacy. And, and these, these regulations are going to evolve on a continuum. They must be more transparent about how they're actually using AI 
they need to publicize their data audits, and they need to give employees and candidates the choice to actually opt out from any AI-led uh, processes, Kevin. And again, as more organizations begin using AI and recruitment, the ethical implications of these practices for fairness, diversity, and, and inclusion here, yeah, and data privacy become really, really salient points for consideration. And then yeah. moving to, to, the, to the final trend of the report, Kevin, Gen Z skills gaps reveal workforce-wide erosion of social skills. And, and the four points we learn here is that social isolation brought about by the pandemic has has definitely impacted on on young people with 46% of gen z employees survey saying that the pandemic actually made them pursue the educational or career goals make the pursuit of their career or, or um goals more difficult with 51% saying that their education has not prepared them to enter the workforce sufficiently and that's a major concern kevin Gen Z has definitely missed out on developing soft skills such as negotiating, networking, speaking confidently in front of crowds, and, and, and developing the social stamina and attentiveness required to work these long hours. And, yeah. and this lack of experience preparedness is definitely going to have a negative impact on organizations, especially as they aim to hire cheap talent in light of, of these tight and highly competitive market practices, Kevin. And that's it. Everyone's social skills have actually eroded since since the pandemic with the likes of burnout, exhaustion, and even career insecurity, all heightened by pandemic, but negatively impacting performance, unfortunately. And organizations will really need to redefine professionalism for the entire workforce to address this, this really growing challenge, Kevin. And yeah, these these are nine high impacting trends that create real opportunities for organizations to differentiate themselves as employees of choice, Kevin. Well, and, and Craig, I mean, like that's also one of the reasons why why these these businesses like mine, because the these skills that they, you know, negotiating, networking, speaking confidently in front of crowds, all of that, those are skills, soft skills that you that that we teach. Right? Yes. So and because of the the evolution of what's happening in the world and how it's permeating into into corporates, uh, it creates opportunities for brands like myself to go out and go. Okay, well we can help you take care of that set of skills, um, like the the DEI situation. <laughs> but yes. as today, yes. <laughs> what, are, what are the key takeaways from uh, for for our listeners on today? Kevin, yeah, for the key takeaways, I want to, to reference the, the Deloitte article again. You know, and as, as a reminder, the, the Deloitte's interpretation is that the future of work is a result of many forces of change affecting three deeply connected dimensions of an organization, namely work, the what, workforce, the who, and workplace, the where. And, and these dimensions were unpacked in more detail, each of those key questions to answer when defining the workforce strategy. So firstly, the question to dimension one work is what can be automated. Now, with increasing robotics, cognitive AI technologies, what work can be done with smart machines? The key point here is that when we enter the cognitive revolution, organizations are again redefining work to create valuable human-machine collaborations, shifting from the understanding of a work from a task completion to a problem-solving and human relationship model, which is really encouraging. 
The second dimension of workforce with that key question that we mentioned earlier being what can work do, the new talent platforms and contracts who can do the work, how do we leverage the continuum of talent from full-time to managed service to freelance gig workers and crowds? The key point that's addressed here is that the social contracts between employers and employees has changed. And organizations can actually now select from a broad spectrum of, of options in finding workers from hiring yeah, traditional full-time employees to actually accessing managed services and outsourcing models, independent contractors, gig workers, and even crowdsourcing. And the new workforce types can solve problems, get work done, and help leaders build a much more flexible and nimble organization, Kevin. And then the third dimension, as I mentioned, is, is workplace. And the question there we had was, where is the work done? So with a new combination of collaborative teaming and digital reality technologies, how are the workplace and work practice reshaping where and when work is done? The key point that comes out of this here is that digital communication, collaboration platforms, and digital reality technologies coupled with societal and, and marketplace changes have allowed and created much more opportunities for more distributed teams. And we spoke about the office environment a short while ago. And in closing on this point, organizations are now actually able to create and combine a mix of these options as they actually reimagine their workplaces from those traditional collated workplaces to those that are much more completely distributed and, and, and dependent to a large degree on, on virtual interactions. And those are the key takeaways for today, Kevin. Fantastic. I love that. So dimension work, the, the workforce and the workplace. So uh, I think it's, it gives you like a beautiful practical way of just considering what the future of work is. Guys, so if you want to hear more about it, uh, you're going to meet us every Thursday on ebizradio.com around 12 o'clock. Craig, and um, I've got Theodore Hook here for you uh, for a quote today. Uh, and the best way, and I think it applies to exactly what you've been speaking about. The best way to predict the future is to invent it.